real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 4th, 2020. Wow. Uh, Just uh, 25 days left in this month. Today is the State of the Union. Today is a dumpster fire at the DNC. Today, there are still people freaking out about this coronavirus. And today, there's a lot we should talk about. I think it's important for us to start today with um, with a prayer, I guess. Uh, it, it, you know, for those of you that aren't religious, uh, regardless, I think uh, prayer in any sense is um, one that uh, brings some serenity to you and allows you to release anxiety. Now, uh, you know, yesterday Rush telling his listeners what he's going through. He was like, I didn't want to make it about me. But, you know, when you're on the radio and you're talking to people and you're analyzing politics, giving your opinion, it's almost as if they become your friend. And I've been listening to Rush, God knows how long. And it, it, it totally hit me where it hurts because, you know, with full transparency here, I lost my father to it, my brother. And just as my world was being turned upside down in December, my mother was undergoing surgery uh, for the same thing. And currently she's uh, going through um, chemo. It's, it's really hard. So I like to say just a short prayer. Father God, we humbly pray for all those who are fighting cancer. Give them the hope and courage they need each day. Comfort them in their pain and bless them with healing. Strengthen their family, friends, and caregivers. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, cancer not only hurts your body, but those around you are affected. You know, the economic strain is tremendous. Uh, You know, for parents of children that suffer from cancer, they can't work. They have to drive to appointments. For people that suffer from cancer um, themselves, they can't work. They have to go to appointments. And then those that have family members, they can't work because they have to go to appointments. But at the end of the day, because the patient can't pay, it's us, the family, that has to do it. So it's really, really hard on all aspects. So he is in our prayers. Um, the fact that, you know, he came out so late and I'm just going to like put my scientist hat on, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's a primary. I think this is metastatic, uh, because it came on so sudden to him. Uh, so, um, you know, I wish him to have as little pain as possible. And for those that don't know, you know, um, uh, Cuba actually invented a vaccine against small cell um, carcinoma lung. Uh, It's the most aggressive one. It's the most typical one. And just so you know, if you have cancer somewhere else, like colon, for example, or liver or uh, osteosarcoma, you know, in your bones, uh, it usually metastasizes, you know, through your lymphs, et cetera. Um, and uh, more than, you know, nine times out of 10 lands um, at the lungs. So um, our prayers out to all of them. 
all those suffering today, tomorrow, and um, may they have peace. And I really hope we can hear Rush as long as we can. I know this is a really hard time for him, and the diagnosis is is very hard. So I uh, just pray for comfort when he's in pain or when he is being told news or results. So now to today. Today, today we have the State of the Union. And, you know, I can't wait for it. I really can't wait. And I thought... After our prayer, I start off the show kind of to change a little bit our mood because for me, it hits way close to home Um, and kind of get us in the mood of excitement. I thought I'd play a really good oldie by New Shoes and um, kind of express how I feel about today because I can't wait to see the State of the Union.
So I hope everybody was kind of moving around a little bit with that. Uh, an oldie, but a goodie and uh, very applicable right now because I can't wait. I literally can't wait to see how this dumpster fire is going and what our president will say. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, um, are reporting and are saying he's not going to mention the impeachment. He's not going to, and he probably won't because that's not something he wants in the history books, but I'm pretty sure some shade is necessary. It is very, very necessary. You know, One thing people need to understand is that the American people will never knowingly adopt socialism. Well, with some exceptions of the extremists, but under the name of liberalism is how you adopt every single facet of the socialist program until one day you wake up and the United States of America is a socialist nation and no one's going to know how that happened. You know what I'm saying? And this is what you're seeing. What happened at the Iowa caucus What the DNC did is exactly that. Your vote doesn't count. The Democrats know best. They will tell you how to vote. This is why they need to remove this president because they can't rig elections anymore. And you'd be like, well, we did have Republican presidents who the Bushes. Come on. They were funding, you know, Hitler. Their family was funding Hitler. They helped perpetuate Hitler. These were all leaders that wanted to unite everyone under one flag, regardless of who they took out in the the meantime. You know, even Earl Browder, he was actually the former chairman of the American Communist Party because we had that. And in 1966, right, he himself said, America is getting socialism on the installment plan through the programs of the welfare state. Remember, um, social security, was something that the American Communist Party put forward. Now, all of us love Social Security because it's an investment and it, uh, you know, the government supposedly manages the money and then they give us money. Well, why can't we invest that ourselves? Why do we have to give it to the government? Why does the government have to hold that money for us? Why can't we just have a 401k from day zero or like in the olden times, rely on our kids? (laughs) I'm just saying that's what we used to do. We used to support ourselves. We didn't have the government support us. So we have been trained to become a welfare state and this is more real socialism today that we have in the United States, just so you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, the socialism we had was more than the Soviet Union. So imagine today, (laughs) you think China's bad because they're communists? Man, they don't have the socialism we do. Socialists control most of the labor unions. Well, if not all of them, which indeed also do what they're controlled by the DNC and a bank that is all uh, that is a hundred percent for the labor unions amalgamated bank. What is that? What is that? That's the DNC's bank. They fund every single one. You know, Nikita uh, Khrushchev advocated socialism in the United States, not communism, right? Because every communist works to establish socialism because they're taught that socialism is a transitional stage between capitalism and communism, right? 
There are socialist organizations in every single nation on this planet. And, uh, you know, they coordinate together. So it's a worldwide socialist movement. This is why we see it in Europe. This is why we see it everywhere. It's one of the, it's one of the most four most powerful groups in the world. And it's called the Socialist International. And many of you have never even heard of it. Nah. I mean, in the future, we hear about it because in the future, they rise to power. So this is that point. Look, in fact, socialists control the labor unions and the union dues to advance their legislative agenda, hence amalgamated bank. And despite the conflict that they show between union leaders and the employers, guys, there's back channel contracts, secret agreements between them. So the both sides, the workers and the companies are making bank. They're just conspiring behind us. And although the socialists talk about, oh, democracy and, you know, it's like a world government under control of enlightened people of freedom. The socialist international, that group, one of the four most powerful groups, they, the SI, the SI coordinates its efforts with the CFR, with the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, the Club of Rome. They all work together to create this one government. And in the end, you have to wonder who's going to be really in control. I mean, you, you know, you have to think about it. You have to think about it. There was a decline in Western civilization that happened after the signing of our um, uh, uh Declaration of Independence, because we had people that had infiltrated our government. And something we call secular humanism had come through. Every single commie and socialist, you know, we're talking Warren, Bernie, the Democrats, some rhinos, they're secular humanists. And even though every single humanist isn't a communist, every communist is a secular humanist, just so you know. And I'll tell you what their core beliefs are, and it'll totally make sense to you. They believe that reason and intelligence will guide mankind to a better world. They believe that moral values derive from human experience. Ethics is autonomous. It's um, what you would call situational. And that we have to strive for a good life here and now. And they believe that in de- in you in yourself determine what's right or wrong. So, you know, if I have like a, a passion to like, you know, slit throats, you know, I think that's good. Then I set my morals and can do this. I mean, this is an extreme thing, but that's the truth. Uh, secular humanists also reject both illusory or and, and harmful they reject that um, it's illusory or harmful. The promises of immortal salvation, like if you think that there's immortal salvation or fear of internal, eternal damnation, that it's, you know, harmful and, you know, delusional. And that's the basis of Judaic and Christian beliefs. They reject every single thing of traditional belief, any religion, any religious belief you might have. And they, instead of saying that you are one, you will be held accountable in the afterlife. You this, you that. No, 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 no. You need to create new goals. 
Okay. New goals. Humanists say that there's no divine purpose or providence for the human species and that no deity will save us and we must save ourselves. Hence their way of Darwinism. The beliefs of secular humanism are literally codified in the humanist manifesto. And that is where you'll find these 17 concepts. They stress that um, uh, individual freedom should be without moral restraints. Remember, uh, like I told you on Friday, morality is created by the weak, according to them. They advocate democracy and participatory democracy rather than a Republican form of government. They recognize the right to birth control, abortion, and divorce, and that the many varieties of sexual exploitation should not themselves be considered evil. And that humanists condone homosexuality and other forms of sexual perversion. So they, they're just like, liberate yourself. So this is like Sodom and Gomorrah. Not saying homosexuality, you know, you do you, man. Keep it behind your doors. I don't really care what you do. I'm totally fluid when it comes to sexuality. You do your thing. But it doesn't affect me. It does affect me as a human being when you take the life of another. It does affect me as a human being when you rape an infant or a child. I want to see you strung up by your toes and skinned if you can. I want you to suffer as you have made that soul to suffer. Suffer beyond anything imaginable. And trust me, I have uh, concocted, I mean, there is nothing. And you know, that's when then I pray for forgiveness. Please, God, I'm so sorry for these thoughts that I'm having, but I can't fathom a child being hurt like that because it hurts them and scars them forever. These idiots also advocate alternative economic systems and uh, a way um, of a need to supposedly democratize the economy. But that's not how it is. They literally promote socialism. They want the separation of church and state, the separation of ideology and state. And that's because they can remove God and prayer from public schools, public events, etc. So they support ending nationalism, sovereignty, national sovereignty, and they advocate for like a world community. They advocate to eliminate any discrimination upon race, religion, sex, age, national origin, and the right to universal education. They oppose sexism, sexual chauvinism, and they need government control over every single aspect of our lives. They believe that renouncing um, that uh, the world community um, must find ways of... um, not resorting to violence to solve international disputes. They want a world government that includes an international court. That's something President Trump said. We will never part. We will not tell other nations, especially when you have, you know, leaders of Uganda that slaughter their own to tell us what's right or wrong. They propose foreign aid and birth control for developing nations. Um, Technology is key to human progress. So they will go at any, any length and violate any moral grounds that you might see 
in order to help inevitable human progress. So they oppose anything that's to censor scientific research, being it moral, political, social, whatever. Uh, they also advocate that the world community engage in cooperative planning. Uh, so they redistribute population, redistribute jobs, farming, everything. And they push for modern, modern day environmentalism and population control. A hiatus right there before I tell you the last one. Uh, so, you know, this whole climate change thing and how we're all going to burn to death and be so hot. We're literally going through a mini ice age right now. And it's totally against their narrative. This whole modern day environmentalism is just to control what we have access to and what we don't. The last thing that these um, secular humanists, socialists, communists, the Democrats and some rhinos have is that they want international cooperation in culture, science, the arts, technology across all ideological borders, because what they want is for everyone to kind of be on the same page and everybody be vanilla um, so that they can prosper. That's the bottom line. So most of these concepts are in the humanist manifestos um, and they plan to introduce socialism to create this world government and undermine Judeo-Christian beliefs of any nation, especially ours, which was founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs um, in order to complete it. So secular humanism for the past 200 years is literally behind all of the world events we see. And they will stop at nothing to maintain power. They were giving it to us in installments. And this is where everything was supposed to roll out. And they failed. They failed. They failed. They failed. See, when we helped push communism into China in 1950, the, the Senate literally appointed a committee to investigate why the State Department put an embargo to stop the nationalists of China, the like make China great again and brought Chairman Mao to power. Remember who then there was a famine, etc. And the Senate's findings. I'm just going to tell you the Senate and you need to listen to yesterday's show. The Senate's findings. Right. Guess what they found. They discovered the Rockefeller Foundation and the Ford Foundation funded the communist propaganda outlets in the years preceding the fall of China. Are you listening? So the 83rd Congress commissioned Congressman Reese to investigate the tax exempt foundations to determine why they had financed communist organization. And who? I'm going to fly through this break right quick. Let me just make sure that we don't get interrupted. But the Reese Committee, okay, 83rd Congress, the Reese Committee, listen to what they discovered. That many of our large foundations were actively promoting communism and socialism. In 1915, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace launched a propaganda program to force the United States into World War I. The Rockefeller Foundation financed Dr. Kinsey, Alfred Kinsey, a flawed study of human sexuality and his effort to undermine the moral standards of that time of the nation. The Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Education Foundation, the Ford Foundation, they had used their power 
their grant-making power, their money power, to take over American education and force our colleges and universities to abandon their religious beliefs and moral standards. I'm taking you back in time because God knows that me, back in the 40s, the 50s, was foaming at the mouth. Okay? The foundations influenced the State Department. They paid. The State Department policy was driven by them, and they were largely responsible for bringing communism to China. The foundations were working to undermine our constitutional form of government. Are you listening? This is from way back. You can read it yourself. This isn't stuff I'm making up. 83rd Congress, the Reese Committee. Carol Reese, R-E-E-C-E, look it up. This is history because if you don't see history, you don't understand today and definitely you won't catch on to what I'm telling you about the future because I have been posting online through different means since 2016, 2017, more so caught up, uh, things that are to happen and no one gets it. I'm as blatant as I can. So listen that... Okay, so Reese's committee, right, to investigate these foundations had a lot of pushback. It was pushed so hard. They put pressure on congressional leaders. Uh, The funding of, of the Reese committee was completely canceled, canceled. That ended the hearings. So Renee Wormser at the time was the counsel for the Reese committee, and he wrote a letter to the foundation Um, And the power and the influence that they have, the skeptics, to verify the facts, what happened there, it was so ridiculous that Reese said, I felt that the work left several unimportant, uh, several important unanswered questions of which the gravest was to what extent, if any, are the funds of the large foundations aiding and abetting Marxist tendencies in the United States and weakening the love which every American should have for his way of life are the tax exempt foundations the force behind the effort to establish a world government guys this is 1950 1950 it's 2020 70 years from now tell me what has changed the only thing that has changed is that in the past three years we've had a president that has literally blown the lid off of this Dirty secret. And all these tax-exempt foundations being put through fine-tooth comb. Can we dismantle them? I don't know. They're so huge. That that happened 70 years ago. So how much bigger have they become? How many more bigger endowments do we have? Look at our educational system. Every single student that goes through college is just dumb. They gain academics in the sciences. They learn math. They learn science. Our psychologists or sociologists, they're all nuts. They believe morals are for the weak. There's no morality. How many people do you see working in social work with children that have never had a kid before? Because they believe children can be put to death. Why would you have someone working with kids that doesn't believe that a child's life is important? Why would you have someone working with kids that may not see it 
wrong that someone may have sexual interactions with children that someone may beat a child to death that someone may starve a child or torture a child why would you have them because this is a society with no morals and the future i can tell you traveling in time in the future back in 2016 i can tell you traveling forward it was very bleak mass deaths just like the ones we're seeing in china now Mass deaths. Mass. <laughs> These communists will never stop. That is all they're about. But the thing is, is what people don't seem to realize is that there are good people out there. Good people that will tell the world what they need to know. I've mentioned the words molecular tagging before. So I think it's appropriate for us now to talk about the coronavirus, to talk about what molecular tagging is, and to talk about what's really happening. Because I wanted you guys to get the understanding of what we've done to China before. China that has 20% of the world's population within their borders. They're dropping like flies and no one is dying or dropping like flies. No one has died in the United States of America by the coronavirus. I'm pretty sure a lot of us had had the coronavirus before and not died and not even went to the doctor. So why is it so important there? Well, you know, like I've said, Tory in the 40s and the 50s was foaming at the mouth. Let me not talk about the 20s. But going forward, 2020 now. 70 years from that mishap, here we are again. But this time, I think a little song will say what we need to know. Because what they don't understand is somebody's always watching. Hey, hell, I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone. 
Yep. Someone's always watching. Someone. And it's always the good guys, these watchers, always watching, always paying attention, always looking for the little things. But one thing that globalists and these big foundations that tell us what to do, and in the second hour, all we're going to talk about is the the elections, okay? We're going to talk... about the Iowa caucuses. We're going to talk about the dumpster fire. We're going to talk about all these things. But now I'm going to help you learn what biowarfare is all about. You know, all of us think that it's going to be some, you know, bomb that's going to fall out of the sky and kill us all, unless it's anhydrous ammonia. We're not all going to just shrivel up and die. If it's not radiation, we're not all going to shrivel up and die. Biowarfare is highly complex. So I'll tell you what, when I was, uh, I'll, I'll break it down so you understand, because what they hate is an educated person, right? They hate it when you understand things, because then they can't blow smoke up your butt, right? This is the one thing globalists hate, that you're educated and you know the facts. You don't listen to their alternative facts. So I... um when I was in uh, grad school at the College of Medicine, I was trying to figure out a way to be able to eradicate certain cancers, cancers that you can target. So that was like my main thing. That was my research. That is what I actually, you know, put together. And what I noticed was that if you had the tumor live and you applied simple things like antibiotics, right? Because it's the mitochondria that are sick, the ones that are exposed that are going over. But here's the thing because of their relationship. So, okay, wait. I need to make this simpler. For those of you that, um, you know, may have forgotten cellular biology from high school. So we have a cell, right? Skin cells, brain cells, you know, blood cells, uh, organ cells of your heart, of your stomach, of your intestines, whatever they may be. So each cell does its own function, right? We have millions together that come together and create a tissue, right? Um, So that one little tiny cell that you can't see with your naked eye, inside of it, it has like a brain, the nucleus, right? It creates proteins, it replenishes its membrane, it takes out garbage, it fills in holes, it instigates reproduction of that cell, like to create the cell again, uh, because maybe the neighboring cell is di- has died. So that cell that's in close proximity with it, with the other cell, they send out signals saying, Ooh, we need to make more. So one of them takes the lead and replicates the cell, right? In order to do that, they need energy. And it's not the food you eat. It's not, you know, the, the water you drink. I mean, those contribute to it, but it's actually a bacteria, Okay, so it's a simple organism called a mitochondria that's actually bacteria, literally. It's a bacterial organism and its job is simply to create energy. That's it. It's the battery of your cell, but it's a bacteria and it has like a double membrane barrier. So the two types of DNAs don't cross. And this is why I say your DNA, you have two types, your mitochondrial, which is your ancient DNA, meaning that's how you could trace it back to the first woman on the planet. And there's 23 tribes, right? 23, that's it. And it only gets transferred from mother to child. Never. The father's is always the, the mitochondria what propel the sperm and they fall off. So, you know, you don't get any of that. Now that DNA is circular, meaning it's very simple. It's a bacterial type DNA. And 
any mutations in that DNA are detrimental to people's health. Detrimental. Like, you know, the most worst diseases you can have are usually because of that DNA being messed up. And then you have your other DNA, which is like part of your mom, part of your dad. Uh, but again, it's propelled by that DNA of the mitochondria. So it's a bacteria. So what I noticed in the laboratory was that if I applied antibiotics directly to the tumor, uh, vascularization would cease and the mitochondria that was fueling its production, meaning um, energy in order to keep producing cells, um, also died because of nitrous oxide, starvation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like all these chemical processes, just so you understand in, in more layman terms, right? Because cancer is basically the battery of the cell not stopping. So your cell knows to reproduce because the battery is making, is giving juice. And it's like, juice it up. We're making cells. And it's like, all right, we're done. We made the cell turn off. It doesn't turn off. So it's constantly on the on position. So the brain of that cell is constantly making cells. And then as the cells populate and become more, they start to get vascularized because, you know, your blood vessels decide, oh, wait, there's something there. I need to like give it blood so it can grow. And then it just grows. And then it's just forget about it. It goes everywhere after that. So I noticed that that happens. But then I thought, well, we can't cut people open and throw in antibiotics because that's going to go, you know, everywhere. It's not like you could just slice someone open and just, you could, you could, don't get me wrong. But it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Remove all the organs, you know, slice the, the leg open, apply like powder antibiotic on the tumor on the bone or, you know, somewhere in the gut and then just, you know, pray for a hallelujah. Instead, what I thought was maybe I can tag the bubbles, these little bubbles, micro bubbles, where I can put the antibiotic in there and I can tag it with something where it can glow. So when I can see it on imaging that it's in the area of where the blood vessels, the capillaries are feeding into the tumor and then I pop it with like sonar, right? And then it's like, whoa, it's like right there. It gets all the antibiotic there and it's like super cool. It's like right there and it's targeted therapy. Now my bubbles are being used at UCLA right now, um, obviously for free. You never charge for someone's pain and they're just using them on older people, um, you know, that have a pneumonia and don't respond to antibiotics uh, intravenously. Uh, so they're testing to see if they could do targeted therapy like that. So that was the idea. Molecular, if, if it's tagging the bubble. So now that you understand that I've put like this protein where it glows this bubble and you could see it on imaging and you're like, whoa, all of them are right there now. Let's do pop. Boom. That is what molecular tagging is like. But here's the thing. Instead of it showing on imaging, it has like this um, tag on it that it's kind of like um, Velcro. No, I wouldn't say Velcro. Um, let's see. Something that you, that would only, okay. Uh, picture it like a big uh, sifter, right? A little sifter sitting on top of, you know, um, a virus. It's like a little sifter. You know how you sift flour, but it has a specific size. So what it does is it hones in on, let's pretend, uh, you know, Kathy, for example, has a specific um, DNA type. So like, for example, the Chinese have specific DNA um, expressions that you and I don't, uh, who are not Oriental descent, right? 
Just saying. We don't. We don't have the double eye. You know, we don't have the single eyelid. We don't have, um, you know, we're round eyed, right? Um, whatever it may be. Let's just keep it simple to the eye, right, feature. So for, for argument's sake. So basically that little thing is targeting that virus goes in my body and it's like looking for the, the DNA, um, uh, that specifically that genome, that specific genome that's responsible for having, you know, non round eyes, right? And I don't have it. So the virus dies. But then, you know, Joe next to me, he's part Chinese and he has it. So he gets sick and he gets so sick that, you know, even, you know, it's like a source. It doesn't even, it doesn't stick to like one thing. It's like for multiple positions, what they're called loci, right? So every single animal, every single human being can be uniquely tagged. Okay. Because specific haplogroups, which are the tribes, as I say, of the mitochondrial DNA, have specific unique identifiers. Now, usually these identifiers are amplified by way of vaccinations uh, because certain diseases are uh, more prone for these people and vaccinations also change or mark your DNA that you have had this vaccine. Okay. I just want to make it as simple as possible. So this is how you can find, this is how you can have a room of a thousand people and kill only three because it's very specific. And guess what? Your DNA, they don't need to have you send it to 23andMe. You need to be once in the hospital to give blood. Maybe you gave a fecal sample. Maybe, you know, you were in the military and they took your DNA. Maybe you were arrested. They took your DNA. That is how they can catalog you. So they've cataloged you. And if anybody ever goes to the hospital or the doctor's office, specifically hospitals, you'll see that they have specific um, things in their little um, terms and conditions or your consent to treat where it literally says, we will only share the information according to federal laws, which means give us everybody's DNA. We'd like to put it in the library so that we can do research, research like vaccine research. China does the same thing. Their uh, people are vaccinated and specifically to Chinese vaccines that are highly specific. Yes. So now that you kind of understand that I can, I can give a vaccine to a thousand people and that vaccine is targets people that have specific loci, um, you know, um, that, that have been, um, genotype, you know, that we've actually pulled out the genotype for them. Uh, they have that portion of the DNA that I'm looking for. And once that vaccine sits on that person that has the targeted stuff, the molecular tag, I suddenly sprinkle glitter all over it. So the minute I release an agent airborne through food, through water that targets anybody, or any host it enters that has glitter DNA, guess what? 
those that have been vaccinated and were my targeted population that have that suddenly sprinkled glitter all over them, right? Just to make it easier for you to understand. Suddenly they're all dead. They're dropping like flies and nobody knows why. Now, this bat theory and all this other rubbish, don't listen to it. It's beneath you. We're a lot more technically savvy. We travel through times and dimensions. Do you really think we need to eat bats to spread disease? Come on. People can eat their own poop right now and not get sick. So moving along so you understand, this was bio-warfare at the highest degree. And this, again, was to punish the Chinese for emerging out as Chinese nationalists and moving away more and more from communism. What they did with Taiwan, what they're doing with Hong Kong, all of these things are whipping people into submission. The Chinese, because President Xi puts his people first through communist values. But the more you see, he's more of a nationalist. Preserve the youth, preserve the elderly, preserve our culture, promote our well-being, promote our products, promote this. That's not super communism now, is it? It's not. He's starting to pull away from your traditional communism because that was never the way of the Chinese. They can't live and prosper like this. President Xi is a really good president and Guess what he did, even though communist, right? All right. Whatever floats their boat and they've got to abide by the way the laws are because you only change due to pressure. So here we have President Xi and President Trump signing phase one agreement. Then people start dropping like flies in China, but nowhere else. Molecular tagging. You understand this now? So this is why we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Now, President Xi, when this, um, the news of this broke out, he told the president, we're currently under attack through biowarfare. I suggest that you take your people from, the, from China back to the United States because this is really bad. And President Trump says, what, during the Super Bowl? We heard it yesterday on my show, too. He said... I'm working closely with President Xi. It's a good thing we have this really good relationship. I'm providing him all the resources he needs. We also took over the flight from the CDC, which is a privately funded organization as well, okay, and took it to a military base instead of their normal protocol. We do understand how this happened. And one thing we had done is answer that problem. Harvard University. That professor that was arrested with those Chinese students smuggling, they did this to harm the Chinese. What better way than to cultivate a bioweapon against the Chinese when you have the Chinese samples directly from China? So we arrested him because he was working with Wuhan University. See, China... Even though they're communists and we're leaving them alone, supposedly. And then the thing is, the rise of the red is not something to laugh about. The European Union and the United States, the North American Union, let's say, already knew, because that's the way it really was in the future, that we had the North American Union and the European Union. And when they wanted to unite after they took down Russia and had Eurasia, the fronts that they had resistance from the most was India and China. Now, India was falling behind China so that they can unite together as one of the most uh, largest aggregated 
native populations, even though uh, the North American Union had imposed, um, you know, population control by way of uh, vaccinations and, um, you know, promoting abortions and sterility through vaccinations, right? Like the Gardasil vaccine is intended to cause um, infertility in certain genetic targeted persons so um, and that's like the majority too they've uh, allowed only certain uh, genetic lines and lineages to be able to reproduce through it this is why uh, it was banned in many countries but anyway um, so in the future was that the North American Union and the Eurasian Union were starting to put pressure on India and China. And because they were so powerful with their nuclear weapons and did not agree with them on many things, uh, you know, there were two spins. Uh, the one future was bleak where everybody just died. And the other one is where, um, you know, bio weapons were used and that changed the face of humanity. So, the Chinese are forced to be reckoned with. And one thing they want is to live as an empire, grow as an empire, and trade as an empire, not be told what to do. So this is where we are at. At the moment, we're at the point where the disaster was averted and that biowarfare wasn't supposed to be used until after the North American Union, which if Hillary Clinton was president, that would have happened at around 2022. So this is where we're at right now. So coronavirus, don't worry about it. There's people every day that have the coronavirus and don't even go to the doctor. It's not that coronavirus. It is a virus that has um, that can attack specifically molecularly tagged persons. It's a new application. It's a novel method. Well, we've been doing it for 25 years at least. Um, and it's a way to... Um, uh, identify specific species or genetic traits. I mean, we use it on animals, you guys. That's how they started this, by being able to uh, separate the types of frogs we have. Like, you know, you're not going to know every single species, but if you tag them all so, you know, you get certain things coming up, then you can use their DNA from collecting it and be able to analyze it and see that there are d different spe uh, specific changes to genetic code. This is why not... That's this is why not all the Chinese are dying because some of them don't have that genetic marker. I'm just saying this is molecular tagging. This is targeted bio warfare because do you think that these clowns, these idiots, these elitists would allow themselves to die from it or be in the position where they might die from it? No, no. So it's risky if it's not an, an exact science and it's super expensive. You've got to have tons of samples. Don't forget you go to the hospital, don't you? Everybody goes to the hospital, don't they? Don't they fly around? Don't you go to airports? Don't you spit in cups? Don't you drink water? Don't you go to the bathroom? All these things. So the coronavirus is nothing to fear. Nothing whatsoever. I want you guys to know that when it, it will be something to fear, I'm going to say that openly, the minute you see that the president is expressing concern, that's when you should start worrying, when he's worrying. For now, there's no worry, no care in your, in your mind because it is not affecting us. So if you're not uniquely tagged to the analogous target that, you know, is being sought by this virus, you should be fine. Now, 
uh, you know, it's never too late to just boost up on your, you know, vitamin C, (laughs) your gummies. Um, But on that note, I just wanted to say when we get back, um, we're going to shift gears now and we're going to go straight into the DNC uh, debacle, um, the impeachment sham and what we expect from the State of the Union. I'll see you all in just a bit. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this second hour, I want to continue um, our conversation into what's going on today and what to expect today and what maybe I can remember happened. Uh, the dumpster fire that we saw happen in Iowa was nothing more than the Democrats saying that your voice means nothing. No voice means anything. They know best. And that is something President Trump has fixed for the majority of the United States on a federal level, but not on their local. And you know, it's really funny how they won't even give, okay, uh, the actual app so they can investigate it. The same app that they used uh, for this uh, whole voting structure thing. Uh, They're voting and uh, this is a federal election. Why aren't they handing over the app? Why won't they give the app to DHS to check? You know, maybe Pete Buttplug can tell us because he's the one that invested in it and claimed that he was the winner. And then he tweeted about it saying, ah, forget about it. We're going to go to New Hampshire. (laughs) You really think you have New Hampshire? I mean, please take a listen to what um, Fox News uh, this morning had to say about that. Let's talk about what's happening in Iowa. It's a mess there with their smartphone app. Just uh, simply unable to report the results. Meanwhile, this morning, the head of the DHS cybersecurity department now saying the app used for caucusing in Iowa was not vetted by anybody at DHS, despite the fact that they offered. Why? Here with reaction is the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Chad, good morning to you. Good morning. So everybody's been talking about this app. It was going to change everything. As it turns out, behind the scenes, before they used it last night, DHS had offered to what? The app. Uh, So our cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency has offered to test that app uh, from a hacking perspective. Uh, They declined. um, And so we're seeing a couple of issues with it. I would say right now we don't see any malicious cyber activity going on. Nobody hacked into it. No one hacked into it. So this is more of a stress or a load issue uh, as well as a reporting issue that we're seeing in Iowa. But what I would say is that given the amount of scrutiny that we have on election security these days, this is a concerning event, and it really goes to the public confidence of our elections. Talk a little bit about Election Day security as we look forward to the first Tuesday in November. 
How sure are we that it's not going to be something kooky going on on the Internet? Well, I would say that uh, today and this year, we are, are more secure than we've ever been. So as we look at 2016 and, and our preparations for 2018, we're even more secure than 16. So we're continuing to learn and build and, and learn the lessons that we've done. And I would say that we're going to have folks uh, on site as we did in Iowa. We have election war rooms from the right. department. We have folks on site and ready to support. Okay, let's talk about Let's just talk a little bit about this app for a second. So uh, this app was paid by the Iowa DNC um, and Pete, Mayor Pete, <laughs> you know, that always answers the question, but I'm gay. Um, so he, uh, he and them funded this app. They hired a bunch of coders. You know, there's, there's, there's patriots that code too. You know what I'm saying? But see, this app actually showed from what I'm hearing on the back end of the internet that Biden lost hard and actually Andrew Gang came up high uh, second and that Bernie Sanders won first. Pretty weird, right? Andrew Yang won second. Bernie Sanders won first. And I just remind you that Bernie Sanders had the same exact surgery slash scar over his eye that McCain had. Again, supranuclei. We won't get into that. And like I said, he wins it. He dies. And so... Here we are uh, with a dumpster fire that happened. I mean, even Van Jones was like, this is just horrible. It's going up in flames. And they're not even allowed to release the results. And they refused DHS to come and check it thoroughly. Um, because what? They don't trust DHS or because DHS is honorable and they won't allow. What is it called again? Voter redistribution. Uh, redistributing the votes. You know, that software, that um, CIDL has for votes through trap doors but see on an app it's really hard to put these trap doors it's really hard because the code is different the algorithms are different um i mean they can be sent out to a server processed and back but that gets a little bit messy because it was supposed to be just for that specific the variables were very specific so there was a more um paper trail you would say code trail <laughs> how's that uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. They just didn't want to release the actual results. They were trying to fix the results and they couldn't. So that's what happened. But take a listen to what DHS has to say. About uh, the other big story, and that is the coronavirus. I know there have been 20,000 cases worldwide. How are we managing, uh, essentially, isolating the United States from incoming cases? Sure. So President Trump really took leadership on this issue. And, and first and foremost, we're here to protect the American people. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we decided to, any flights coming from China or anyone who's visited China in the last 14 days, we're going to funnel those individuals to 11 airports to make sure that we have the right medical professionals there. So that's what we're doing today. So those flights, again, coming from China or individuals that have visited China in the last right. 14 days are coming to 11 airports and getting seen by medical professionals who are making determinations on whether some type of quarantine is needed right. or some other procedures. So we want to make sure that they're all seen by those medical professionals. So when somebody steps off the plane, do they take their temperature? Do they say, how do you feel? Absolutely. They're going through a number of questions, a number of medical uh, checks mm -hmm. to include temperature. Uh, where have you been? DHS is also looking at their travel history to make sure that they haven't been someplace perhaps they haven't disclosed as well. And if somebody has been someplace and they're uh, exhibiting symptoms, right. then how do we quarantine them? 
So you could do uh, one of two ways. So CDC, depending if they're um, infectious or not, will make that a government quarantined, and they'll use local facilities to do that. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a self-imposed house quarantine uh, that we saw uh, during the Ebola. From the department's perspective, we're concerned about airports, but we're also looking at uh, maritime ports as well as land ports of entry. So folks coming in from Canada and Mexico as well, we need to have procedures, and the department does, on all of these ports of entry, not just the airports of entry. Man, you guys have got a big job. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. So uh, that was the coronavirus. I just wanted to tidy up from last um, half hour that we had. So we're on top of it. We're checking it. You know, like I said, it's molecular tagging. There's not much to worry about unless somewhere in your family history tree, you might have something very specific. Now, here we have CBS News talking about how the Iowa Democrats... This is CBS, are blaming the app for delaying the 2020 caucus results. Take a listen. There is growing outrage and frustration over the Iowa caucus app, the application that failed to deliver quicker results. We know that it was created within the past few months, but was not properly tested. Iowa's Democratic Party says the, quote, underlying data and paper trail is sound, despite the technical failures. So for more on this, I want to bring in CNET senior producer Dan Patterson. All right, Dan, uh, you've been following the story very closely. First of all, what is the app? How was it supposed to work? All right, so Vlad, you said it yourself moments ago, the Iowa caucus, months of preparation, millions of dollars invested, all for an application that appeared to be beta testing using our democracy. Okay, wow. this is confusing. Let's break it down into some more simple buckets. We have three issues at play here. One, we have a technical issue. Yes, there were problems, big technical problems. Many uh, of the people working at caucuses said they couldn't log into the app and that the app had problems uh, responding to the server, sending data back and forth. Technical problems. In bucket number two, we have process problems, right? So there was a backup at play. There was a phone number. But that phone number, as we have from uh, a lot of other reporting, appeared to be semi-functional, non-functional, no operators on the other end, process problem. Bucket number three, Vlad, we do have a people problem. Mm. So, yes, we can apply technology, but we have to train people, prepare the technology, and make sure that it is ready, especially in democracies, to be deployed. That didn't happen or appeared to not happen. So what can you tell us about the meltdown? So the meltdown itself seemed to come from uh, problems with the app. And we go to, yes, some human error problems. Uh, They say, hey, look, we had people problems trying to understand how the app works. But there also seemed to be big issues with uh, administrators logging into the app. Uh, So this then fueled all kinds of speculation and conspiracy theories. It kind of swirled around what appeared to be a couple bugs, right? This wasn't ready for prime time. It seems like it wasn't tested. And was kind of a last-minute deployment. So when you do that with any form of software, you're going to have technical problems and people problems. You know, um, so when it comes to the technical problems, I guess and you, you sort of said something that's sort of interesting, which is that uh, this was sort of beta testing our democracy. Um, the, organi- the, the, the officials in Iowa say this is not a hack. Because I know a lot of people will be worried about that. And if you are not digging into the relevant details, you may see the headlines and think, uh-oh, 
Iowa got hacked. This is not that. And we should definitely say that we have no evidence that right. this was a hack, but every corporation that's been hacked in the last couple of years, what do they say? It wasn't a hack. Didn't happen here. And then later they're like, it was kind of a hack. Mm. So it doesn't look like this was a hack, but what this does do is highlight the issues that can come along with hacking. So the purpose of hacking, whether it's a voting machine, whether it's a voting system or uh, an application, isn't necessarily to change your vote. The purpose is to underline our faith and confidence in the voting process itself. We had months of stories about misinformation and disinformation around the primary process. The first thing that happened was a technical failure and then lack of communication from the IDP about what actually happened, which then uh, fueled conspiracy theories online. We see Russian troll bots picking this up and spreading some of these conspiracy theories. So what happened is that we played into, whether it was a hack or just a technical problem, we played into the biggest fears and concerns that cyber experts and other election security experts have been warning about for months. Finally, before uh, I let you go, Dan, uh, what are you hearing and what are you seeing, more importantly, online as far as the spread of false information? Uh, You know, there are some hashtags that are trending around certain campaigns. And I saw somebody, uh, in fact, uh, several people, uh, respected people on on Twitter um, saying, look, uh, we don't even know if these hashtags are being created by Russian troll farms. Explain that and the phenomena of of Russian bots or Russian troll farms inventing hashtags, which are then co-opted by campaigns. Yes. (laughs) We invented hashtags like CIA Pete. Like, uh, you know, Pete invested in shadow that, you know, Bernie Sanders won and they're stealing the election again uh, from him, you know, on the local level. I mean, we want to run against a commie, right? Because this is what it boils down to communism or a free America. I mean, (laughs) let's be honest, guys, that would be the easiest win and they don't want it. But now we're all Russian bots. We're troll farms, right? Is Twitter coming out to say here the Russians? Nope. Who's saying it? They are. So this is really important, Vlad. First, we don't know for certain. We have put the word alleged around a lot of this because the forensics comes down to some, well, it it depends on what Russian is or what a bot is. However, so we call these uh, troll bots or sock puppet accounts, inauthentic accounts. Ooh, there's a word we haven't heard in a while that I've only used, which is sock puppets. That's what DARPA piloted, you know, when they were testing out this bot thing. And we can use data tools, not just one. I rely on a number and I I use these tools uh, to kind of help figure out the traffic and see specific numbers in the traffic. So we see hashtags pop up. Uh, And we can look and go exactly back in time. When did this start trending? What types of accounts did this start trending with? And then how is this picked up and amplified by traditional or legitimate media? Mm. So I'm not talking in vague terms about this. I mean, like the data says these accounts started talking about hashtag X, Y, or Z. And that these accounts all have the same, you know, weird usernames. They all use the same bio information. They seem really inauthentic. But then we see a traditional media site amplify that and inject the meme into the mainstream. And, and that's what you and, and that is how these things sort of take 
on a larger, more significant role or presence in a campaign or on social media. So just so you know, anybody that has, um, what is it, text 88022, um, text Trump to 88022 is now a bot, according to uh, the left media, because you are promoting the hashtag, Pete paid for the app, CIA, (laughs) Pete, dumpster fire, dumpster fire happening. You know, you're tweeting that suddenly... You're a bot. Um, it's 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 hilarious, you guys. Come on, they in fact have assassinated themselves. They're showing the people who they really are. I mean, Bernie won that election. Hashtag Mayor Cheat, President Bernie Sanders, Iowa caucus. Uh, what else? Uh, CIA Pete is trending. Uh, Mayo Cheat, um, DNC rigging, sneaky Pete. All of that. What are those bots? Is that what they're trying to tell us? Because I'll tell you what, even President Trump said during the Super Bowl, they're going to rig this election against Bernie, too. And here it is. In other That's words, exactly right. the, the, this, the, these sock puppet accounts start a, a hashtag and perhaps even the campaign or somebody associated with a campaign uses it in a tweet to go after. Oh, someone associated in a campaign. Are you listening? Uh, another uh, a, a candidate. And, and next thing you know, that's that that's what shows up on the left side of my screen is trending. That's exactly right. So to be clear, the accounts themselves, we use use the word inauthentic because we don't know if it's a bot or somebody faking and logging in to spread this. But we can see behavior that is absolutely inauthentic. So using the same keywords, the same bio information, the same uh, wording in tweets, and then it is injected into a mainstream account that amplifies it. This phenomenon, Vlad, is a larger or is a component of the larger issue of misinformation and disinformation on social media targeted at the 2020 election. Kind of like how President Trump colluded with Russia. Uh, Very scary stuff. Uh, Dan Patterson, always great to have you, my friend. Impeach him, right? (laughs) All those are also misinformation. The fact that he was, uh, you know, (laughs) what did they say? A Russian agent, right? That's the way it is. That's, That's how it goes. So here we are with a dumpster fire that the Democrats are living through. They're freaking out. And oh, well, you brought it upon yourself. So there. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory, And I think we should kick off um, this uh, half hour, this last half hour, with an oldie but goodie and very fitting to what is going on um, with the DNC. Take a listen. Thank you. 
The time has come to say fair is fair. 
<laughs> so the State of the Union today, you know, the State of the Union used to be a written report. You know that, guys, right? So it was a written report up until 1913, and Franklin Roosevelt actually uh, gave a speech to show, you know, pretty impressive speech. Um, and it is the time where the president tells Congress and the nation um, what the state of our nation is at that point. And he is going to be providing this um, State of the Union under the cloud of, well, he's not being impeached forever. He's actually going to be acquitted forever. But, you know, there is a possibility that they're just going to bring more articles of impeachment and more and more and more. And they're just going to keep doing this again and again and again. But, you know, when 2020 comes along, none of these clowns will be in office. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was a written report, and now it is widely broadcast throughout the nation, globally now, because we've got global eyes on us, because we are leading this movement. We are leading this movement into the new dawn of what the people want globally. You know, this is where we see um, how we're doing. And this is intended to talk about political and economic well-being. And boy, has Trump really pumped up the economical well-being portion of America. It, he, he has done phenomenally. So um, there is um, actual, um, uh, in the Constitution, it actually says in Section 3 that the president is supposed to be um, giving Congress information of the State of the Union. And it, um, let me read it to you. It says, he shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may on extraordinary occasions convene both houses or either of them. And in the case of disagreement between them with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such a time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care of the laws, be faithfully executed, and shall commission all the officers of the United States. That's basically what Section 3 says. So this State of the Union today uh, is, you know, on the eve of his acquittal. Okay. And Nancy Pelosi invited him when they pushed for his impeachment. Remember, uh, Bill Clinton as a rapist actually delivered the State of the Union during his impeachment trial in 1999, too. Um, yet he had committed crimes. Our president has not. And now we see that um, he will have... Um, Supposedly, he's supposed to have a good idea of who he's going to be going against after um, the caucus yesterday, but he doesn't. I mean, he knows from the Patriots that Bernie Sanders won, and he knows that Joe Biden lost. So, you know, that's basically it. So where do they say, oh, Joe Biden lost because, you know, he was investigating. He was investigating him way before he threw his hat in the race, but I digress. Uh, so this is where we're at. It's going to be live streamed. I know a lot of us are going to be watching. I know I am. I'm uh, pretty excited about it, too. Uh, it's um, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. 
Um, I'm I'm actually uh, super stoked to see it. Uh, the one thing that I want to see is their rebuttal because for some reason they feel like they have to respond to the State of the Union. And it's when members of Congress also make a statement. And this is what I don't like. So I know our president, he's going to keep it classy, right? But we've got these clowns in Congress right now, um, you know, that are going to make a statement um, about what they um, find important and in respects to who they're inviting. Like, um, you know, occasional Cortex Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is bringing a woman that shouted out at Jeff Flake in an elevator during the Justice uh, Kavanaugh hearings. Um, you know, that's the type of level of people, you know, the Democrats are focusing on. Um, so, but this is the year before the presidential election. And, you know, for some reason, people think that people are going to be focusing on Democrats that are announcing their run, etc. Nobody cares. Warren's a loser. She's a joke. She's done. And even though, remember, I told you about that movie over a year and a half ago, they, they, filmed that film before Warren threw her hat in the race. And in that movie, there was a bumper sticker, Warren 2020. Uh, so uh, in, in that movie that was taped way before she even announced she was going to be, uh, you know, going there. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how, you know, we've got Warren in there. We've got, um, who else is running? I'm trying to remember all these idiots. Uh, well, Andrew Yang, who did well, actually, according to the real app results. Uh, Bernie Sanders, who's not a Democrat. He's an independent, but he's running under the Democrat ticket, which is bizarre. And someone actually tweeted that. I've said that before. It's pretty weird. Uh, we got Pete Buttplug. Um, you know, Joe Biden doesn't even count. He's such a loser. Uh, like, no one's putting their money on him. Uh, now, Cory Booker. His guest is um, uh, Edward Douglas. Uh, Edward Douglas is a guy who got out of jail last month. Uh, he was actually uh, put on trial and um, he was uh, sentenced to life for crack cocaine. But President Trump, because President Trump signed the first act, he actually got out of prison a month ago. Now, Booker was also the original co-sponsor of the First Step Act, and it passed with overwhelming support. Uh, so, I mean, that's a benefit for the president, considering Spartacus is bringing someone that benefited out of a law that the president had been pushing like nobody's business. Tulsi Gabbard, uh, she's going to be bringing a Syrian Kurdish leader, Ilhan Ahmed. Ahmed is the co-president of the Syrian Democratic Council. <laughs> So that's going to be fun. Um, and, you know, Gabbard um, was actually highly criticized in 2017 because she went to see uh, President al-Assad uh, in Syria. Uh, and, you know, the reason she's bringing this person is in is because President Trump has decided that he's removing the troops um, from Syria and um, thus make the Kurds susceptible to attacks from Turkey. Again, Turkey, 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 Turkey. Uh, then Kristen Gilbrand pulled out whatever. She's bringing the decorated transgender Navy lieutenant commander. Um, so that is her guess. So you can see where, what they find important. Okay. I'm just saying Kamala Harris is bringing um, Trisha Divik, who lost her home in 2017 wildfire caused uh, to evacuate because um, 
and was forced to evacuate the rental home in 2018 because of flooding. So um, she's uh, furloughed. Um, she's an air traffic control specialist. She was furloughed uh, during the 35 days. And her husband and her, uh, also an air traffic controlman, and he was a Navy veteran, worked and didn't get paid. Uh, this is what they're fo- these Your guests tell the world what your priorities are. Seriously, that these are what their priorities are. Now, as far as um, Tulsi, uh, you know, it's great because it's um, shining light on the fact that Turkey is a big bully in Syria. That is the real problem, not um, al-Assad. So I commend her for that. Uh, I wanted to say the Democrats have chosen uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, and with um, Representative Escobar, who's going to be giving the Spanish language response. Like, why Spanish? Tell me why Spanish? Why can't it be Russian, Greek, Chinese? Because those are highly spoken languages in the U.S. So you're just picking on Spanish. Oh, let's see. Pandering to the southern border crisis. The one that we have to super monitor now in case they have the version of the coronavirus that might infect Americans that might have that genetic marker. I mean, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. This is this is what they're doing. Oh, jeez. It's so horrific. Now, um, Chuck Schumer was so proud to say who's going to be going and saying things, etc. So it was um, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Last year, they had that clown, Stacey Abrams, um, who was trying to be governor, and she was responding for the Democrats. Big loser. So um, now we have um, Whitmer saying as leaders, it's our responsibility to ensure a safe, healthy future for our children and families. And that's exactly what we're working toward in Michigan. And the response is an exciting opportunity to show American people that not only are the Democrats getting things done for them, but for future generations to come. Hold on a second. Hold on and say, hold your horses. Guys, let's be honest. What have the Democrats done for the people? Nothing. They've squandered our federal tax dollars on bogus investigations, impeachment. We hate Trump. We hate Trump. We hate Trump. That's all they ran on. That's all they ran. So what is she going to do? Seriously, what is she going to say that they did? They did absolutely nothing. They did nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Yet they're going to have Gretchen get up there and look like an idiot as the governor of Michigan saying what? I could tell you now they've done nothing. What are they going to say? They're protecting what? Our Constitution? They've peed all over that. They've shredded that document a hundred million times over. And now in schools, they're indoctrinating our children saying, well, that document was written 200 someone ago. We got to get rid of that one and we got to rewrite it now. No, no, no. That's not how it works. It's a general foundation. It's not like you could say, well, floors are so 20, uh, 2009. We need to get rid of floors in houses now. That's not how you do it. So this is where we're at. Uh, This is what we are seeing. These are the guests they're bringing. This is what they're doing. And, you know, they, 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 what are they going to say? Well, we tried to steal the election. Uh, well, you know, the DNC uh, nomination, you know, the Iowa caucus, all that stuff. Yeah, we tried to steal it from, uh, uh, you know, Bernie and Mayor Pete didn't do a good job in getting coders. Maybe he should have teamed up with Yang. 
Because Yang's in that crowd. He runs with that Silicon Valley crowd. And maybe you wouldn't have gotten, you know, um, (laughs) my gosh, I'm laughing just thinking about it. Because they have no idea. I mean, there were so many Patriots coding there. You know, DHS didn't get it, get it, get it. But yeah, they got it. So we knew exactly what they were doing. Remember, they don't care about what the people have to say. And they showed the world and the Democrats, your voice doesn't matter. Your vote doesn't count. We know best for you. What are you doing? Calm down, shut up, and listen to us. We get to pick, okay? Not you. We know Clinton should have won. Are they going to pull Hillary Clinton out of a hat last minute, last minute? So now we have a bunch of uh, senators uh, talking about how they voted and 10 minutes, each of them on the articles of impeachment against President Trump, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. What? Mm. That was really weird. So senators will speak up for 10 minutes each on the articles of impeachment against President Trump. Abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. I think the abuse of power by Congress is what we're seeing now. They are upset that they didn't get their way. They are upset. They are so, so upset. It's ridiculous. They are foaming at the mouth. These are supposed to be public servants. Again, term limits everywhere, man. Term limits everywhere, man. I think everyone at some point should be working for the federal government and get skills. You know what? Maybe we should do that. Uh, Honestly, maybe to get America to work when you get out of high school and you're in college, you'll be filling in those dumb, you know, jobs and people are like, it's not dumb. Dude, I'll tell you what, if I could do it all over again, I'm being dead honest, dead honest. I would have, if, if I could tell, uh, you know, younger me that when I would finish with uniform service that I and, and never, ever get into non-uniform service. Um, anyway, I would tell me to just, since I'm great at coordinating details and doing a lot of stuff at once, that I would just be an executive assistant. And make tons and tons of cash just sending emails and coordinating meetings for some big hotshot because I'd be like, I could do that in my sleep. You know what I'm saying? Booking his or her flights and that's it. And his little dinners, nine to five, clock in and out, get 150000 a year, sitting in an office, getting my, ins- <laughs> my, my health insurance while I do my investigative journalism under an assumed name forever. That's the job I would have done. And, the, and, and, it's, all, and it's not a hard job. I'm sorry. For those of them, uh, people out there, they're like, well, I'm an administrative assistant. It's really busy. It's like you make it as busy as you want. Because, man, I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, one of those illegal migrants. I wear 100 million hats. And as a parent, geez, those hats are exponential. And, um, you know, and lately for me, it's been super stressful um, trying to coordinate everything. But it's the easiest job. And I think in order to teach people good management skills, good coordinating time management, time saving skills, that when they get out of high school, if you're in college, you should work for the federal government and do paperwork. 
I really think so. They should know what bureaucracy is. And maybe it'll become more efficient if we have fresh eyes, fresh blood, not, hey, you know, that's the way we used to always do it. We just send it to that desk. And then when they get it, in the order they get it, they look at it and then they stamp it. And, you know, it takes forever to get a government response. But if we have people that are young and able-bodied, you know, and can think and are in college, why not give them these federal jobs? I'm just saying, and this would be based on their performance if they can perform further down the line again for the federal government. I'm just saying it's a good way to train rather than have all these clowns that are career clowns. And look, I've been in the government and working and serving my country for 30 years. No, you haven't. You've been getting comfortable. You've made connections and people rely on you. And because you've been there the longest, you know where all the cookies are, where all the keys are, where all, you know, the stash stationery is, and you know how to get into the best restaurants. That's what you know. That's the way it is. They, they, they take advantage of the situation. They take advantage because they get comfortable. So we need to put these term limits, not just on, con- on, um, on Congress and the Senate, but everywhere. We need to do this because the people that have been destroying our country for the past three years as we're moving forward, right? Because our country is being destroyed from the minute the ink dried. Before the ink dried on the Declaration of Independence, there were people's names on that Declaration of Independence that wanted to rip it up right then and there. But they kept their mouth shut so they can penetrate it and they can change it because the goal was to bring the whole world under one crown, British rule, blah, 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 blah. The four pillars, the socialist, international. Look it up. It's one of the four groups. Club of Rome is BS. They're just so nefarious and disgusting. I I don't even want to get into that right now. What I want us to focus on is is that today we're going to have the State of the Union. Today we're going to have to see what the Democrats have to say, having, you know, completely messed up the caucus. They don't even have a potential candidate now. They don't. I mean, what are they going to say? Yeah, it was Pete, but he rigged it. It was Warren, but was it? Who is it? Who is it? Pete paid for the app, you guys. He paid for the app. Seriously. It's so bizarre just how out there and in the open it is. And no one, no one is saying it. No one is saying it. Like everyone's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Remember, when he ran, uh, when he put his nomination in there, what is the first thing I said? Why do we have a CIA guy running for office? And all he says is, I'm gay. Stop. The DNC, you know, is really busy right now. Okay, you guys? You have to be super, super, calm down. They've got a dumpster fire, but they got to see, does Bloomberg have more money than what they can raise together? (laughs) Because, you know, they're broke. Amalgamated bank can only swindle so much of the union money, and they're still using that union, the union dues, to pay off the debt from the Clintons. So it's like, who's going to give us money? Trump is watching everything because, you know... Someone's always watching. Someone is always watching. And that is how it is. Someone is always watching and they know that they can't move money because then it'll be like FEC. Who's funding them? Who gave the money? So now they're busy counting the dollar dollar that Bloomberg can bring in. Uh, so that way they can see if they're going to. <laughs> 
if they're going to um run behind him. So that is how it goes. I'm sorry, guys. I just think everybody just got to calm down. Bloomberg's money. We got to make sure to see how much he has. And, you know, the DNC rigged again elections. And now they're going. Bernie's campaign actually released... um uh, statement. It says, due to the failure of the Iowa Democratic Party to release results tonight in the interest of full transparency, Bernie 2020 senior advisor Jeff Weaver is releasing the campaign's internal reporting numbers, which represent the results from nearly 40% of the precincts in Iowa. We recognize that this does not replace the full data in Iowa Democratic Party, but we believe firmly that our supporters work too hard for too long to have the results of that work delayed. The data below was collected by trained Sanders volunteers at representative districts from our four congressional districts from across section of urban and rural parts of the states. Amy Klobuchar got 11%. Andrew Yang got 0.9%. Bernie Sanders got 29%. Elizabeth Warren got 21%. Joe Biden got 12%. Pete Buttplug got 24%. Tom Steyer got 0.24%. And Tulsi Gabbard got 0.01%. That's um, from all the votes. And the total votes were 79,000 votes that were counted. So the most votes went to Bernie Sanders, 23,000 votes. And then the second most votes were 19,000 votes to Pete. Then 16,000 votes to um, Warren. And then um, Joe Biden with 9,000. Amy Klobuchar with eight. I mean, Amy's now in New Hampshire pushing vote, vote. And, you know, I can't help but think um, how this is all going to turn out for them, you guys. It's it's really bad, isn't it? People are now realizing straightforward that they are not allowed to vote. Something that we've been saying for a long time. Uh, something that we've been uh, pushing on and stating and telling the people that, you know, the Democrats don't want you to vote. They think that you have no right to vote and that is how they operate. But, you know, nobody listens to conservatives or centrists. If you're if you're not sitting there with um, colorful rainbow hair, then you're not allowed to. Now, I just wanted to put live Tim Kaine. Hillary's running mate and what he has to say about the articles of impeachment. I want you guys to take a listen to this. This is this is what I was waiting for. Take a listen. Also to discuss the pending matter, the serious matter of impeachment. President Trump schemed to get Ukraine to help him win the 2020 election by strong arming its new president to announce a bogus investigation against a political opponent. To carry out his scheme, he smeared, fired, and threatened a dedicated career ambassador, thwarted Congress by secretly withholding appropriated military aid over the advice of his national security team, violated two laws in order to hide his actions, outsourced critical foreign policy to a rogue private attorney, hurt an American ally, gratified an adversary, and overturned long-standing precedent regarding the relationship between the executive and legislative branches. The scheme was so repellent that numerous members of his own administration fought against it, and then, when they could not stop it themselves, 
courageously brought it to light. The House managers have proven both articles of impeachment. But I have struggled during the Senate process, which cannot be called a trial due to the shocking refusal to allow key witnesses and documents, with a basic question. Is it an abuse of trust for a president to behave exactly as expected? President Trump's behavior has been appalling, but it has not been a surprise. The American public knew that Donald Trump would seek foreign help to win an election. He publicly did so in 2016 by appealing to Russia for help at the same time as our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said Russia was America's chief adversary. That he is doing so again is no surprise. The American public knew that Donald Trump would target political opponents with false attacks. He publicly did so in 2016 by leading crowds in chants of lock her up. That he will again target perceived opponents, Democrats or Republicans, ambassadors or whistleblowers, representatives or senators, war heroes or teenage environmental activists, is no surprise. The American public knew that Donald Trump would obstruct the release of information. He publicly did so in 2016 when he violated long-standing practice by refusing to release his tax returns. That he will continue to obstruct Congress, the media, and the American public is no surprise. Okay, so before we end, I thought, you know, I've been really into music lately. And you know, it was a point of time that I didn't like it. But you know what it reminds me? It seems as if, you know, right now, even if some Democrat leader was drowning, we wouldn't even give them their hand because we've seen it. They're smirking at us. They're calling us dumb. And you know what I thought of? A song. What song? I think one of the best songs that has not been nominated for a Grammy. So I'm only going to play a portion of it, but we all know this song oh too well. And I think this is what we're feeling right now, all of us, right? We're feeling it because we've seen it with our own two eyes, how they treat us. So it's all been a pack of lies, hasn't it, guys? And so on that note, with this song, I leave you for this evening. And I want to bid you all a fabulous evening. And God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. And I'll let the song take it home.
Hey, hey, hey.